Best Book Bits podcast brings you Don't Kill Him, the story of my life with Bhagwan Ragnish, a memoir by Ma Anand Sheila. As his personal secretary between 1981 and 1985, and the second in command of his organization, Ma Anand Sheila enjoyed an invivably close relationship with Bhagwan Shi Ragnish, also known as Osho. Bhagwan called upon her when he wanted to discuss personal issues, critical administrative matters, run minor errands, and even place an order for a new Rolls Royce. Ma Sheila was his confidant, his closest aide, the person he trusted more than anyone else. She ruled the entire commune under his guidance until differences crept up. What followed next soon became part of Bhagwan's infamous history, as after years of loyal service, Ma Sheila resigned from her position, left the commune, and fled to Europe with fellow members. An infuriated Ragnish wasted no time in accusing her of planning a bioterror attack, conspiring to murder important public officials, and running away with $55 million. Ma Sheila pleaded guilty to some of the charges in court and spent 39 months in prison. Now, almost two decades later, Ma Sheila, still in love with Bhagwan and his teachings, finally tells her side of the story, claiming that the truth was very different and sheds light on part of Bhagwan's life, which has so far been shrouded in a cover of secrecy and darkness. Don't Kill Him, The Story of My Life with Bhagwan Rajneesh. Don't Kill Him is a controversial memoir by one of the most controversial women in the history of America and India, Tough Titties, as she liked to call herself, Ma Anand Sheila. She was the ex-leader spokesman of a religious cult famously known as the Rajneeshis, and was also the private secretary to their religious guru, Bhagwan Shri Ragnish, aka Osho. Born as Sheila Amdala Patel on December 28, 1949, Ma Anand Sheila moved to the USA for higher studies. She moved to India with her dying first husband, Mr. Silverman, in search of spirituality in 1972 and became disciples of Bhagwan Sri Ragnish. Sheila describes when she first saw Ragnish as love at first sight, like that of a schoolgirl, and also describes being awestruck by his charming personality. Soon she took the position of Bhagwan's then secretary and then ultimately decided to move to the ashram to the big muddy ranch Oregon, USA, 64,000 acres during the unfavorable conditions for the ashram in Mrs. Gandhi's government. Sheila was the woman who took her love, Bhagwan, from being the god of slum dogs to the god of millionaires, and then began Osho's Oregon experiment, Rajneesh Purim. The memoir focuses on Ma Anand Sheila's life as a shadow of Bhagwan Rajneesh and the aftermath of the controversial Oregon incident. The book is translated from German to English by Ma Anand Arman Pomo, Christine Hun, who has also been an imminent part of the religious cult of the Ragnishis. In his book, Ma Anand Sheila has tried to put her perspective on the events that followed in Oregon into the picture. After being accused of attempted murder, bioterror corruption, immigration fraud, assault, mismanagement by her beloved Osho himself, and the 39-month term in prison, it has become necessary for her to clear the filthy speck on Earth image, and as a result was this book. Even after being rewarded with the infamous image, she requests 
Ragnishi's to keep Bhagwan's legacy, his truth going about the beautiful Oregon experiment, going and to not let it die. The controversy took off once again with the launch of Netflix's original documentary called Wild Wild Country in 2018. Now, if you haven't watched that, it is a must. So check it out, watch it. Doesn't go into too much of Bhagwan's teaching, but definitely something to watch. On with the summary. Don't Kill Him departs from most of the memoirs written in the sense it is a biographical as well as autobiographical. This memoir captures the rise and fall of a Neverland, a dreamy empire. This book and the incident stated in it portray a plainful truth of a person who has always enjoyed the spotlight, was loved as much Bhagwan himself, and was suddenly made the villain of the Neverland. It captures an account of the incidents that most sannyasins refuse to put into the life story of their master. Ma Anand in her memoir, explains various events of her life in no particular order. The storyline moves back and forth. Ma Anand begins the book by My Kaida Has Spoken. It actually begins when she is fed up of being the lieutenant and the in charge of the commune that was now no more limited to a religious group. She claims that she was the heart of the commune and Bagwan was the soul and they were a team inseparable. She writes in the memoir that at one point of time in 1985, he has lost interest in us as a community. Moreover, I no more wanted to deal with his constant crazy demands. Ma Anand Sheila was born as Sheila Ambala Patel on 28th of December 1949. She went to the United States to study arts in the small college in Montclair in New Jersey, where she fell in love and married a young man named Mark Silverman. Mr. Silverman was suffering from cancer of the lymphatic system. Soon the disease became fatal and they moved to India in 1972 to pursue spiritual studies, the time when she met Bhagwan. She describes her first meeting with Bhagwan very vividly, like a fairy tale, not missing out a single detail which is sufficient to understand her passionate love for Bhagwan. She describes her first experience as, I let myself fall into his arms. Full of joy, it seemed like an eternity. She describes being drowned in his eyes like some magic has been cast on her and love at first sight. It was the time when she herself and her husband became more actively involved in the activities of the ashram. While the ashram was still in Pune, Bhagwan Rajneesh renamed Sheila as Ma Anand Sheila and Mr. Silverman as Chin Maja, as per the tradition of the spiritual, at that point, time cult. The name changing ceremony symbolizing leaving behind one's past, family, and begin once again with a new family of sannyasins. All of them were also instructed to wear only shades of red as they were the colors of the sunset, the most peaceful, peaceful time of the day for meditating. The sannyasins also wore a necklace around their neck made of beads with the picture of their master. Everything went well in the ashram, Poon, until the tax scam came into limelight. Osho wanted to move the ashram from Poon. The master had given his secretary, Laksmi, the task of finding other suitable land to make an ashram. The time of Mrs. Gandhi's and later Moraji Desai's government had become quite challenging for the sannyasins. They were already a part of the community and who were moving to India to seek refuge in their master's arms. Sheila, in 1981, became Bhagwan's personal secretary by replacing Lakshmi and was able to convince Bhagwan to move to America, 
for the survival of the community and his own self, for she felt that Bagwan was really unsafe in Pune, India. Sheila bought a 64,000-acre Big Money Ranch in Waco County, Oregon. Sheila also became the president of Rajneesh Foundation International. Soon the experiment of a big commune, Rajneesh Purim, started. The master was not only a spiritual leader, but also a mastermind. He knew how to regulate money with the commune. When the ashram was in Pune, the master always gave non-Indian sannyasins, particularly who came from Europe or the USA, more attention as they bought more money, making the economy of the ashram even stronger. When the ashram was in the USA, the master needed money for the ranch, for his Rolexes, his Rolls Royce. He would declare a few sannyasins enlightened, so they renounced all their riches in favor of the ashram. Sheila had admitted about the con in the book as well as in an interview with the BBC. Now the question is, was she part of the hoax or a victim to it? It can be deduced from Sheila's book that she was in a sense of regret, exploiting all those innocent sannyasins who saw nothing but only their master. Bhagwan Shi Ragnish, also known as Osho, Sheila many a times wrote letters to Bhagwan that she is no longer able to continue with it, her shoulder couldn't bear more, but Ragnish always took advantage of her emotional vulnerabilities. She had no option left. She always stood by Bhagwan's side, like a soldier. It is very evident from the pictures of the media, her love for Bhagwan. It was genuine sense of love and compassion. The commune was prospering. They had their own shopping centers, own eateries, a bank, and even an air transportation system with Air Rajneesh. They even had houses for the sannyasins, a luxury hotel for the overseas visitors, a huge area for meditation, and a lavish and luxurious living place for the Bhagwan himself. Check out the Netflix documentary series to see all the images and videos. Along with all this, Bhagwan also decided luxurious things like Rolexes, Rolls Royce, designer clothes, etc. He had a dazzling collection of 91 Rolls Royce, a bit over the top, and watches from the Swiss military and Rolex, and many other lavish brands worth millions of dollars. But from where did such a whopping amount of money come in? It was the sannyasins that were exploited. The spiritual group now had become a religious cult, and new ways of exploiting the followers were practiced. The sannyasins from the USA and Europe had always been the major source of money, and were continually exploited. Sheila was the queen and as any queen would want, she too wanted to expand her reign. She wanted to buy the houses of the town of Antelope, which was a home to only a population of 42, approximately people. It was a town of elderly people, who were living a retired ranch life. She wanted to buy those houses for her sannyasins. Many of them started acquiring the citizenship of Antelope. Soon, they outran the number of local residents, and even elected their mayor. The sheriff was also now one of the religious cult. The people of Antelope were imposed on with heavy taxes. The laws were made stricter. The houses that the sannyasas had brought already had bizarre sex therapies going on in them. People were spied on, etc. People of Antelope felt bullied, and at least many of them willing went on for selling their ranches. It was a huge win for Sheila against the residents. The town of Antelope was ultimately in the commune's control, and they renamed it Rajneeshpuram. She also wrote a book, The Book of Rajneeshism. 
She was the only one who made Bad One an international phenomenon. She preached love, the sense of community. She was the leader of this huge commune. How did her inner self not nudge her while she was doing all of this injustice to the people of Antelope? Her love had blinded her. The fame of the master had also crept into the world of Hollywood. Many young, rich, filthy rich actors, directors, personalities, and their families would join in the commune. Francoise Rudy, the wife of the famous producer of The Godfather, Albert S. Rudy, also became a part of the commune. She would take the Bagwan into the world of Hollywood by taking him home to Hollywood parties and would present him expensive gifts. She brought to Bagwan the taste of designer and classy elegant clothes and expensive watches. She was renamed as Ma Prem Hasha. Sheila described all these people as the people who made Bagwan a spoiled little boy. The queen could see her position declining in the presence of Ma Prem Hasha. Her progressive nature towards Bagwan and Ma Prem Hasha's growing intimacy with him made Sheila grow more and more aggressive in public appearances. She forcefully involved herself in debates with television anchors using substandard language. It feels like she lost control over herself and actions. The commune, which was lovingly nurtured by her, was taught fierce actions. Thus, took place what is infamously known as the Rajnish bioterror attack in 1984. The conflict of the commune with the local residents grew larger and larger. Sheila's bust homeless people into the commune to increase the majority. Hundreds of homeless people were becoming sannyasins every day because they were promised equality, love, compassion, and a family. Sheila clearly wanted to influence and win the two open seats of Waco County's November 1984 elections. She also wanted to make them registered voters, but her effort went in vain when her plan failed. Allegedly, in reiterating her strength and courage, she, along with some of the other members, conspired to conflict the voters with Simonella so they could not vote. More than 10 restaurants were infected, leaving near about 800 voters ill. She denies all these accusations in her book. She says accusations of poisoning 750 people in Dallas, Oregon with Salmonella bacteria. Such a pointless and heartless action wouldn't have served any purpose. The whole Rajneesh community was accused. She also adds, in those days, it has become almost customary to blame Rajneeshis for any disasters in Oregon as well as in other parts of the world. We were concentrated. It also came into a notice that Bagwan had been put on drugs by his personal doctor with the conspiracy of Prem Hisham. Bagwan also administered laughing gas doses every day. She loved him to the extent that she and one of her associates even tried killing Bagwan's doctor, Dev Raj. And the next morning she fled from the commune along with a few associates in Air Rajneesh. The FBI also raided the commune to look for any illegal material and weapons. This was the point when the ugly battle between Bhagwan and Sheila started. Bhagwan accused her of corruption, stealing money, and attempted murder. Sheila openly talked about the hoax that the commune was. Bhagwan too replied with full zeal. He also foully portrayed her love in an interview with 60 Minutes Australia. Bhagwan said, I had never made love to her. That much is certain. Perhaps that is the jealousy. She always wanted it, but I made it a point that never to make love to a secretary. Such controversial statements from both sides were made matters worse. 
She was so used to the attention that she got that she even posed naked for a magazine, which went viral, even in the time where there was no Instagram. People, mainly the Sanyasins, had begun to sympathize with her. Their love and dedication had transferred to Sheila from Bagwan over the time. For a group of Sanyasins, she was supreme. They even fled the ranch with her and stayed loyal and devoted to her. They believed she was indeed a tigress. After she fled from the ranch, Ma Prem Husha had become Bagwan's personal secretary. The Sanyasins left in the commune, burnt her remaining stuff and her book of Rajneesham. They marked her end by this ceremony. Sheila was caught by the USA authorities in West Germany in 1986, faced trials and was imprisoned for about 39 months and ultimately moved to Switzerland where her husband belonged and from where she could not be extradited. After struggling for a while, Sheila started a new life in Switzerland where she opened two retirement homes after her husband and parents passed away. She looks after the people of all age groups and takes care of them and makes sure that they feel like they have a family. She still believes in the existence and her unconditional love for Bagwan remains unaltered even after his death. This book is her side of the story. Sheila must have wished to clarify all the stains on her image and reputation and she also had a message for the present day sannyasins. She was this fierce soldier who took care of the commune and Bagwan himself, like her children. It is a memoir of a person who was placed under the continuous scrutiny of Bagwan, the commune, media, and the people worldwide. In the aftermath of the Oregon experiment, she was labelled as the villain. Even when the ashram was closed and the commune had moved back to India, and even when Bagwan died, she never wanted to return to the commune. Sheila was the queen. She had this glorious reign. It can be deduced that it was Ma Prem Harsha's presence that made her highly vulnerable. She could see her reign, her people slipping away by a whisker. She made all possible attempts to stay relevant, to still be in the limelight. She was highly possessive about Bhagwan and could not share him with any other. Her intimacy with others would make her go mad. Her aggression would come out all on either the journalist or her in her fierce debates and actions. It can also be deduced that she was equally a part of the hoax created by Bhagwan and not a victim to it. She could clearly deny exporting the bucked sannyasins and their riches. Instead, she devised news plans to regulate their money, like opening in-commune banks, shopping centers, eateries, etc. She was a mastermind in all of these plans and money-making. It could not be fully accepted the fact when she said she never wanted to exploit sannyasins, but she did it all for Bhagwan. Had she really followed the right path, she would never have done it. It can be concluded that she led and presided over the hoax created by Bhagwan Rajneesh. Sheila also had a perspective of self. She had the courage to leave the commune and then say the truth in front of the world. She did many controversial interviews too. Sheila was greatly influenced by Bhagwan. Most part of her youthful and prime years of life had been in his shadows. She viewed him as any other man. She says that he was no different than any other man. Bhagwan had this woman named Vivek who lived with him as his wife. Vivek once got pregnant and Sheila had to arrange for an abortion for Vivek so the world could never know that Bhagwan was not a celibate. 
Bhagwan's regular disputes with Vivek also made him grumpy and irritated all the time. She helped Bhagwan in keeping his godlike figure, i.e. keeping away from sex materialistic things which clearly Bhagwan was really fond of. Sheila also mentions that such things would really be controversial if known to the worlds, especially the Indians. She clearly deceived the people who invested their trust in her and Bhagwan. First a team deceived the sannyasins in the Poon India Ashram. Then the people of the commune were misused many times during the Wasco County election in 1984. In my opinion, they used the sannyasins as their shield from the world to escape into their neverland and also exported their riches, touching their vulnerabilities. But it's also commendable that the team gave the concept of modern spirituality, where people could experiment with themselves, with their bodies, their sexuality. The commune was a platonic place of living away from sorrows. Bhagwan and Sheila questioned primitive and orthodox ways of reference spirituality and gave them a new meaning. Also, it is highly appreciated by critics that people from all races and backgrounds were welcome to the commune. Sheila was also a woman with a great mind for Bhagwan. Beauty with brains. She was this woke woman who questioned the authorities and fought for her rights. She questioned the shame in the face of liberty provided by the USA. Sheila says that she has been quite honest in her memoir. She accepted the fact that she and some of her associates had wanted to kill Bhagwan's personal doctor, but she denies the immigration fraud and the bioterror attack. In reality, she pleaded guilty to most of the crimes she committed in 1986. The contradiction leaves vacuum for disbelief in the memoir that she says is actually the truth. Her love for Bhagwan is actually unconditional, till date. Even after receiving all the bad comments, allegations, her love and devotion for him remains unadulterated. She cherishes all the good memories that she had with him. She disagrees with the way that Bhagwan's death rituals were performed after he passed away in 1990. She says that they were totally against his life, death, and teachings. Sheila also disagrees how the sannyasins leave the part of the Oregon experiment and many other important aspects of his life out of Bhagwan's biographies and other documentations. She wants the legacy of her master, her beloved Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh, to continue unadulterated. She says that his discourses as Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh were divine, even if some of his actions as a fallible human being were flawed. In order to complete, history needs to note both. She ends the book by saying these empty rituals kill him. Please stop them. His soul left his body in 1990. Now please don't kill him. Sheila has put forward her point of view, her side of the story in her memoir, as well as the Netflix original documentary called Wild Wild Country. And that's wrapping this book summary. Please watch the documentary Wild Wild Country. No, this is not sponsored by Netflix, but just a great documentary out there. Now, check out Osho. He read 100,000 books, wrote 400 books himself, all with his voice. So I've done a couple book summaries through there, but please check it out. Osho book summaries on Best Book Bits. Go out there, check him out, watch a documentary. Tell me what you think in the comments below. Did you like this summary? If you want a copy of the PDF summary, click the link below. We're nearly doing um, up to 1,000 book summaries so far in video, written, and audio format. Thanks for watching and listening. Go out there. Have an amazing day. Take care. Bye-bye now.